politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. We are definitely not the land of the free anymore, but we still are the home of the brave. So therefore, perhaps we can make ourselves free once again. Welcome back to this special edition of CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house uh, for Tuesday for you guys. But I'm actually recording on Memorial Day itself here in the sunny desert of Pahrump, Nevada, we are at front site with our constitutioncoach.com trip of patriots. I am so glad to meet so many of you here. Those of you who do not join us, you don't know what you're missing. We will have a number of trips in the fall. You could sign up again, constitutioncoach.com, the best handgun defense training and constitution training you can imagine. Now, folks, on this solemn day, solemn week, when we're not celebrating at the beach and barbecues, that's not the point, like Kamala Harris talked about, this long weekend. No, 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 no. This is remembering things like the longest day. D-Day, Omaha Beach. It truly is unbelievable when you look at the sacrifice, the bravery juxtaposed to the freedom or lack thereof. The fact that so many people throughout history, including right now today, are willing to voluntarily give up their lives for a country's government that frankly doesn't have their backs. Um, there was a time when we did, but nowadays you look at our military, you look at the indoctrination, the cancer that has taken over, the fact that they have to sit and walk around with masks and get segregated if they don't get vaccinated, but they can't walk around with a gun on their own basis. And yet they still sign up. I'm getting so many emails from service members that are really treated horribly. And honestly, I wouldn't sign up or have my kids sign up, but it, it truly is a testament to how many people are willing to serve this country even when our own government doesn't believe in our country anymore. We don't have freedom at home to fight for. We don't have security at home to fight for. So what exactly you know, are we fighting for abroad, especially when we have no defined mission? We give them horrible rules of engagement, kind of like the way we treat cops domestically. We treat our military. But nonetheless, they still sign up, and it truly is a testament um, to that bravery. Um, so many unsung heroes that we commemorate this week. Um, again, I'm a little bit irregular this week. We're going to have shows not at our regular time. So if the world blows up by the time you you hear this, don't blame me uh, because I didn't hear about it yet. Uh, it is crazy. It was 45 degrees where I was in Maryland. We've had like a, a main New Hampshire spring in the mid-Atlantic. Come out here to the desert. It's 100 degrees. I can't handle it. Um, and I know that that kept some of you guys away from coming on our, our our trip this time, but I guarantee you in the fall it will be cooler. So again, you can sign up for constitutioncoach.com. Um, today's sponsor, you know, we're always looking how to fight back against cancel culture. Well, we need to separate ourselves from their woke businesses. 
Patriot Mobile now has you covered with full cell phone coverage so you don't have to give your money to Verizon and AT&T and all these guys that are giving their money to our enemies. What's better than 50% off your first two months? Try winning a cellular service for life. You know, they're having these lotteries for the vaccines. Well, they're holding one at PatriotMobile.com. If you go to PatriotMobile.com slash CR, first of all, you could earn 50% off your first two months of service, but you could also enter to win cellular service for life, plus a free Patriot starter kit when you go to America's only Christian conservative mobile phone company. Um, They have the broadest nationwide network. They use the same towers as the major carriers. Uh, You could keep your phone number. You can get a new phone number, multi-line discounts, just like you do with the big carriers, except giving money to your enemies. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or use their U.S.-based customer service at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Veterans and first responders save even more. Um, Get that discount. And again, a chance to win cellular service for life with the offer code CR. So it's patriotmobile.com slash CR. PatriotMobile.com slash CR offer code CRs in conservative review or call 972 Patriot. Now, folks, when we reflect on this juxtaposition of how worthy the sacrifice is of our brave soldiers and how unworthy our governing ruling elites are of their sacrifice, you really have to bring in. Calvin Coolidge. I always read from Calvin Coolidge around July 4th, Memorial Day, because he really always captured the moment the best. He spoke at what was then called Decoration Day, May 30th, 1927, at Arlington National Cemetery. And he was just speaking about the nature of why we go to war, when we go to war, what we fight for, and how unique it is among the nations of the world. We never did it for lust or conquest Um, It was really always a righteous cause. And then he noted at the end that you have to have something to fight for. And I want to bring this in today. Now, sadly, we don't have anything to fight for. We don't have freedom at home, nor do we have security at home. The government has been flipped on its head what it should secure us from, what it should use our military for at our border. It doesn't use it. Doesn't use it but where it should never use force against citizens opening churches, businesses, and even being wrestled to the ground for not wearing a Chinese face burqa. We see nothing. They do do nothing for us. They do nothing for us on the security side. They flipped the pyramid of the social compact on its head. Anyway, um... Coolidge said the integrity of the Union rests on the Constitution. Unless that great instrument is to be the supreme law of the land, we could have no union worthy of our consideration. In its original inception, it was the product of prayerful consideration by the best endowed minds that were ever turned to political deliberation. And he talks about, you know, just the way it was set up. And that we have made our place in the world through the Union and the Constitution. We have flourished as a people because of our success in establishing self-government. But all of these results are predicated upon a law-abiding people. If our country should be given over to violence and crime, it would be necessary to diminish the bounds of our freedom to secure order and self-preservation. In whatever direction we may go, we are always confronted with the inescapable conclusion that unless we observe the law, we cannot be free. Unless we are an industrious, orderly nation, we can neither minister to our own requirements or be an effective influence for good in the world. All of these things come from the hearts of the people. So long as they have the will to do right and the the determination to make sacrifices, our institutions will stand secure at home and respected abroad. It is to those had that will who showed that determination that we do honor today. And um, we cannot leave this hallowed ground decorated as it is today with all the flowers which loving memory has brought without realizing anew that it was the spirit of those who rest here which gave us our independence, our constitution, 
our union, and our freedom. They have bequeathed to us the rarest, richest heritage which has ever bestowed upon any people. Their memory speaks to us, always reminding us to what we have received from them and of our duty to dedicate ourselves to its preservation and perfection. You look at Omaha Beach. You look at Okinawa. You look at the Revolutionary War. I mean, all those people that sacrificed um, in the Southern Campaign when they were getting beaten you know, by um, Cornwallis and his guys. The War of 1812 was no picnic. Obviously the Civil War. And you realize we have to make our sacrifice or their sacrifice worthwhile. And you look around today and all we have is tyranny, but at the same time, crime and open borders. And I want to really hone in on the latter today. It's funny if you read between the lines from President Coolidge. He seemed to think that the only time you would have tyranny is if you have crime, and they would use the tyranny to clamp down on the crime. Ironically, it's not what we have today, if you think about it. We have anarchy, and they're not dealing with it. The tyranny is directed at us. It's a two-tiered system. They're not even using the crime or open borders as an excuse to clamp down on tyranny, to clamp down on us. No, they're clamping down on us without dealing with it while simultaneously blowing a hole a mile wide in our security apparatus. This is Today is really going to tick you off, and it's done by design. So I want you guys to sit down and have a cup of wine with our friends at conservativewine.com. They import the tastiest world-class wine, 90-point wine, grown at 9,000 feet in the Andes region of Argentina. These are rare wines that are coming under attack because they don't have security in Argentina. They kind of have their own BLM going around. They're actually burning down a lot of the vineyards. So people are snapping up these wines while they still can. Uh, the, these wines taste incredible with notes of blackberry, dark cherry, leather, and smoke, and they go especially great with steak. I love barbecue with wine. Um, you know, there, there were a bunch of new studies that actually came out showing, again, that wine, one cup a day towards the end of the day is really, really good for your health. Um, like everything, it's good in moderation, you know, not too much. So today, the guys over at conservativewine.com have more shipments just for you guys in the audience, 50% off, both on shipping and the price. Again, go to conservativewine.com. We need conservative everything. We need to self-separate. So look, conservative wine is is a good deal. You got conservative Patriot Mo- Mobile. This is what we need to do. We need to cancel the cancelers, boycott the boycotters, and go our own way. Now, you are going to be ticked off, folks. It is so sad to watch how we sacrifice our soldiers in Somalia. They're still there. Parts of Africa, Afghanistan. You know, they say they're pulling out, but they still have soldiers there. We have soldiers everywhere, except for at our own border. At our own border. Think about the sacrifice of our soldiers while the following is taking place. What do I mean by the following? Let me read you an article from my buddy Todd Benzman at Center for Immigration Studies. This is at Roma, Texas, and it it really is very similar to what I'm hearing from agents at the river. The Border Patrol agents working under the International Bridge got busy fast with processing duty after the first three rubber rafts delivered their loads of illegal immigrant families. But with another raft about to land, the occupied Border Border Patrol supervisory agent on scene asked a Department of a Texas Department of Public Safety officer to please go over and bring those immigrants in for processing, but to do the do so with this proviso. Don't arrest him, the supervisor warned about the raft's paddler, who would soon stand on US soil within arm's reach of the DPS officer to land the immigrants. And basically, the DPS officer explained to Todd 
that all federal agents on the river are operating under a stand-down order. Not only are they just bringing everyone in. Come on, it's a welcome act. Come on in. Come on in. They're not even grabbing the subhuman dirtbag cartel smuggler. At least lock him up, right? Nope. Stand down order. Stand down order. And now, Border Patrol, so you'd say, all right, well, they can't do it, but what about Texas DPS? They're telling Texas DPS not to do it either. So basically, a state trooper told him that the feds will not prosecute them, and they just get to bring the boat right back and keep, you know, just like a ferry, shoveling people in. So our own government is now colluding with the worst human beings in the world to invade our country. There's a lot of lessons here I want I want to get to, but but first and foremost is that we no longer have a legitimate government or a constitution or even a sovereign nation. So again, when we talk about different tactics, for example, states enforcing immigration law, okay? I don't want to hear, well, Daniel, could a state do that? Didn't the Supreme Court say, well, could the federal government engage in a criminal conspiracy with cartels to invade our country? Contrary to every immigration law in the books? No. So if they're going to flood the states, the states have a right and a responsibility to deal with this. This is unbelievable. Todd writes, so established is this non-belligerence arrangement that the cops and smugglers often banter with one another across the water or at the Texas shore about the weather or how long the boats might be Running tonight, scenes play out where Border Patrol agents simply watch from five or six feet away as smugglers stand on the Texas riverbank or in shallow Rio Grande waters, helping their illegal alien customers out of the boats. The rafters know they're immune from arrest or trouble, so they go back for more in repeated round trips that can go all day and all night. This is sick. CBP agents are in a kind of culture shock knowing all this. Some admit they are deeply unhappy about abdicating basic border control duty. One knowledgeable U.S. Uh, border uh, protection employee in disgust characterized the arrest stand down policy this way. We have ceded the entire battle to the cartels, just given up. Again, again, imagine asking our military servicemen to sacrifice their lives for missions now while they know this is happening at our border. It's not just that they're abdicating. Our government is actively helping the smuggle. In other words, see, basically, if if you... Th- think about this. If you didn't have Border Patrol, it would be more chaotic. It would be harder for them to do it. All Border Patrol is doing is actually more efficiently bringing in more illegals than the cartels would be able to do on their own. Then he asked the question, well, what about the state of Texas or the National Guard? Well, the National Guard is not allowed to do anything. Now, this is very important. Texas DPS troopers can arrest the RAS smugglers but are given to understand that they should not. The state's penal code would accommodate state prosecution of a third-degree felony for smuggling illegal aliens by means of watercraft and a second-degree felony if smuggled individual, if the smuggled individual is a child younger than 18 years of age at the time of the offense. I would argue that it needs to be upgraded to a first-degree felony for all types of smuggling Mandatory minimum of 20 years in prison, and I am going to push this very, very hard in Texas. Okay, this is a big action item, and really in Florida as well, because Florida, they have maritime landings. Anyone caught engaging in human smuggling, that needs to be a state crime. This is going to be a state action, um, and, and, and it needs to be a very severe one. 
I don't understand. You know, there's a lot of talk about Texas's legislature with you know them passing the election bill and now the um, the Democrats ran out of town. How is it that the Texas legislature has not passed a single bill funding DPS's border operations more, funding the border wall? And again, if you feel you don't have the money or you don't want to spend it, crowdsource it. The public will support it. That's Brian Slayton's bill. And they need to ensure that state and local law enforcement are empowered to hold them on state crimes. This is very, very important. This is vital. But could you imagine that? That they are being, basically they are being told to allow them to invade. Okay, that's the first thing that's going to really tick you off today. Next thing. Next thing. We were told that the Constitution doesn't apply this year this past year because it is such a vital state interest such a vital state interest to ensure hospitals aren't overrun with people with covid that we could say you have to stay home you have to shut your business you have to wear a diaper over your face even when you're two years old because we don't want to overrun the hospitals now never mind the fact that as we've noted for 15 months none of this stuff has helped and it won't help but That's what they said. Do you know that illegal aliens are flooding our hospitals? And I often hear from local officials that they're ahead of Americans in the ER rooms. The ERs are crowded, and they get seen first. They come with an agent who takes them. And by the way, that takes the agents off the line as well. And hospitals burst care. This is from the New intake facility in the city of Midland. This is Midland, Texas. Representative August uh, Fluger, whose district includes Midland, said in a statement that children were treated for a barrage of issues, including COVID pregnancy, um, suicide attempts, and more. Midland's hospital system should not have to shoulder the, shoulder the cost for a moment of how our government has flipped the social compact upside down, inside out. What it's supposed to do, it doesn't do. What it must never do, it does. What is a fundamental right, it reads out of the Constitution. What's antithetical to a fundamental right, it enshrines enshrines as the highest order of constitutional governance. So we are told that COVID trumps the individual right to bodily integrity, to go to church, to open a business, to move about freely without restriction. States were even under the guise of slowing the spread, allowed to put travel bans on other United States. But at the same time, we are told that the goal of not overrunning our hospitals with other countries' dirtbag criminals is not enough to stop the, quote, fundamental right to invade our country. We could place a travel ban from one state to another, but not on another country during a time of an epidemic invading our country and flooding our hospitals with all sorts of ailments. Again, they come for elective procedures, by the way. Um, I've seen that a lot. Like, you'll have someone with a heart condition will show up. Like, what are you going to do? We're told that, oh, nothing within the realm of public health, could escape the police power of a state. A state could do anything they want to you. But somehow there's no police power of a state to stop foreign invaders. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? We are told that there's no right to privacy. There's no HIPAA when it comes to demanding that we cover our mouths and noses and get asked to show proof that we had the gene therapy, which by the way, there's so many new studies out talking about the problems um, that are endemic of it. Yet at the same time, there's a right to privacy for all these illegal aliens. 
You tell me this is a just and moral country. You tell me this is a country worthy of the sacrifice of our soldiers. And you tell me that we somehow must be constrained to follow certain narrow things to fight back against this when they're never constrained. No, we must do whatever it takes in the states we control to block the legal alien invasion. But it gets worse than that, folks. Much worse. So at the same time they're waving them in in mass at the border, they suspended interior deportations. Breitbart reports that ICE agents are averaging one illegal alien arrest every two months. I'm not kidding you. One illegal alien arrest every two months based on uh, data published by the Washington Post of all places. ICE officials frustrated with the changes describe a workplace environment where officers spend time doing paperwork, idling, or working out, more fearful of facing reprimand for making an arrest than not making one. It's a weird, frustrating time, said one ICE official. It feels like the administration doesn't have our backs. Well, indeed. Just a few years ago, we were averaging 9,000 illegal alien arrests um, per month, 90% of whom had criminal convictions or charges. Think about that. That means every month, and, and, and remember, we've talked about this before, even under Trump, there were many we weren't catching. So there are 10,000, 20,000 criminal aliens every month. Other countries' criminals on top of the record domestic crime that they are not catching. They're not catching. Okay? Now, with that in mind, Fox News published this last week, and I, I talked about it actually when it was beginning a couple months ago. There is a... Where is this? There is a 31... Three, okay, 3,166% increase in the number of convicted sex offenders caught in the Del Rio sector. Okay, that's like South Central Texas. Just in the first half of this fiscal year, they have arrested 95 convicted sex offenders. I don't think you guys could understand the gravity of that. Okay. The staggering figure comes as agents picked up 10 convicted sex offenders in just a week. These were nationals of Honduras and Mexico. The convictions of those apprehended included forcible sexual assault, sexual assault of a child under 14, sexual conduct with a person under 13, statutory rape, second-degree sexual assault of a child, and lewd and lascivious acts with a child. But here's what I think you guys don't appreciate. Del Rio Sector Chief Patrol Agent Austin Scarrow said, the majority of these criminals were apprehended in our sector's most remote areas attempting to avoid detection. Imagine you know that agents run a check on you. They're going to catch you being a sex offender. Well, you know you're going to be in trouble. So these are not the guys coming over blatantly. These are the guys that pay often three, four times the price for the cartels to smuggle them in a remote area. Now, in order for the cartels to have a successful business model, being able to charge that much money, they have to have a pretty successful rate of infiltration without being interdicted, right? So if there are 95 that we caught, how many hundreds did we not catch? And that's one criminal offense. One criminal offense. As I've noted for many years, there is a major sex offense problem. We talked this uh, recently arrived Guatemalan who raped an 82-year-old woman in Martin County, Florida, really beat her, and there were numerous opportunities to remove him. This is no longer a moral and just government. Everything they are tasked with doing 
they refuse to do. How could we take such a government seriously? How? Why is it even worth signing up for the military? So whenever I say states just need to remove illegal aliens, states need to lock them up on state crimes, they're like, oh, the courts are going to do this. Daniel, could a state do that? Could we do this? Do you, do you think uh, this is something we could we could do? Well, let me ask you something. Do you think they could do what they're doing? I'm just sick of this sophistry. Daniel, I think we need a constitutional amendment to allow states um, to uh, secure the border, you know, without the feds. But they didn't need a constitutional amendment to violate immigration law. So shouldn't we be able to get rid of what they're doing? Shouldn't we be able to get rid of what they're doing without a constitutional amendment? It really is that simple. It's that simple. So again, folks, we need states to start hitting them up for identity theft. Smuggling charges. I don't care if it goes to the Supreme Court. We shouldn't listen to it anyway. And also, officially, we're told that there is a new conservative Supreme Court. Okay? So, at this point, shouldn't we get a better ruling? We should reverse U.S. v. Arizona, where they said states can't make immigra- you know, immigration a state crime. That needs to happen, and this is something we're going to need to push in every special session. I don't care if they're in session for the rest of the year. So what? It's time they legislate for us. That is all we have is the red states where we could influence the governors and the state legislators. And you know what? If they don't do it, next year, the primaries are right around the corner. So that should be very easy for us to do. But folks, remember... States absolutely would never have been sovereign had they known the federal government would invade their own territory. Scalia said that in the U.S. v. Arizona case. There's something called the Compact Clause. Okay, it's Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. No state shall without the consent of Congress lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops, yada yada, enter into an agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power, or engage in war unless actually invaded, or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. So even something as out of the hands of the state, state, as you can imagine, that's so in the purview of the feds, which is engaging in war, people forget the Constitution didn't categorically ban states from doing it. They just said... They can't engage in war unless actually invaded or in imminent danger. Well, Texas for sure, but really all 50 states, they're totally being invaded by not only aren't the Fed, is the federal government not doing anything, they're orchestrating the invasion. So what are they supposed to do? I would argue that that is an explicit grant of power for them to engage in war. I mean, I'm just reading it. And we're not even asking them to do war. We're just saying just to remove the illegals. Um, Joseph Story, in his commentaries on the Compact Clause, writes that while the prohibition on states making war is obviously necessary, right? You don't want all states doing it. It was, quote, wisely guarded by exceptions sufficient for the safety of the states and not just and not justly open to the objection of being dangerous to the Union. Still a state may be so situated that it may become indispensable to possess military forces to resist an expected invasion or insurrection The danger may be too imminent for delay, and under such circumstances, a state will have a right to raise troops for its own safety, even without the consent of Congress. He says it blatantly. So certainly they should be able to remove illegal aliens that are belligerents and smugglers if DHS refuses to remove it. We're not saying they should go to war with Mexico or whatever, but technically they are granted that. Never forget that. That is our Constitution. And even if it did, what I'm saying is even if it didn't say that, 
they would have the right to do it because what, what else are you going to do? You can have a situation, and I'm going to keep honing in on this as we push our conaction.network teams. Um, and by the way, you will be able to go to constitutionaction.com. I believe it does work. It will redirect you, and eventually we're going to have our site built. When we bolster our red state teams to fight back, we're going to hone in on this again and again and again that we cannot be constrained by things that the bad guys are not constrained by. But never forget that states do have the power to secure their own sovereign territory. And I'll tell you folks what states for sure have the ability to do, and that's obviously to secure their borders from domestic violence. Okay, I mean, that's straight up the police power that somehow we're hearing all year with regards to why they somehow could rule over our bodies. So certainly the job of a state, at its core, why we have a state government, is to protect people's liberty by domestic criminals. And, you know, a day like today and a week like this, when we honor the sacrifice of our military, and it really is for our military, our soldiers, it is also important to remember the sacrifice of the police, you know, those that are really good police that actually enforce good laws and just laws and try to keep us safe. I want to show today about Officer Chris Oppenheim, another one of those names. You will never hear about him. He won't be celebrated. And a really crazy thing happened last week. The CBS affiliate, Champaign, Illinois, aired a segment on the cop killer, the guy who killed him, Darian Lafayette. Literally, and I have a picture of this, a, sh- a screenshot of their broadcast, showed a picture of angel wings on the suspect. I don't know if he was like 20 years old or something. He was black, killed a white cop. And, you know, they began the segment by quoting a family member, how he's the most compassionate person you'll ever meet in your life. Um, The anchor said, now they're mourning him after he died in in an exchange of gunfire with the Champaign police. Now, what happened here? What really happened was police got called 3.30 in the morning to a domestic disturbance, you know, violence. And this happens all the time. They don't know what they're getting themselves into. And in fact, here, they know it's not just like a traffic stop where it could turn deadly. It, it was already violent. They come, Officer Oberheim and his uh, partner, Jeffrey Creel, were responding. As they were getting out of their car, or they got out of their car, as they were walking, um, Lafayette was in his car, and he got out and opened the door. So they were like, let me see your hands, you know, show your hands. And they could never see his right hand. And then he immediately charges out of the car, all in about seven, this all occurred in seven seconds. And then he started physically fighting with Jeffrey Creel. All the while, Creel did not take out his gun. Then, and this just goes to show that you never know when you have a gun, Lafayette took out his gun and fired a bunch of shots striking both Officer Oberheim and Creel three times. Oberheim was killed instantly um, because one of them hit him in the head. Oberheim never drew his weapon. Again, never drew his weapon. Creel, after himself being shot three times, um, one was in the left arm, but then he was shot in the chest, I think. Um He went behind his vehicle, and he fired four shots. Three of them struck Lafayette, and Lafayette was dead. Yet, even an incident like that is now broadcast by the media as the police being aggressive, killing another black person for no good reason. Or, it's a shame, he was a great guy, it shouldn't have ended this way. Now, eventually, WCIA did apologize the family called up. They initially blew them off. But you know what happened? Something very interesting. A list of like 30 local businesses 
canceled their advertisements on WCIA. And they reallocated the funding that they would have spent on the advertisements to a GoFundMe page for Officer Oberheim and his and his family. So, folks, that in itself, I think, is a good blueprint. We need to start boycotting those that promote the BLM narrative and other narratives we don't agree with. It's time to cancel the cancelers. So that was a very successful story there. Um, but the uh, several other lessons here. Number one, how much do you want to bet this was another instance where the cops let it go an extra few seconds because he was black and because they couldn't, they didn't definitively know if he had a gun and that cost them or cost Oberheim his life. Never even got his gun out of his holster, just like with Hecook, although we don't know all the details there. Again, there is, there are exponentially more cases of police using tardy or underwhelming force to their own detriment than using too much force. But what the media does is every time a black suspect is shot, and believe me, there's many of them because of all the criminals out now, the police are automatically suspect. So automatically, here we go again. So they build this drumbeat in people's minds that the police are out of control and blacks are being shot for no reason. And really, 99% of them are completely the opposite. You can only find one or two that are problematic out of God knows how many. And then even a lot of the rest are like, there's more to the story, like with, with you know, Wright. What's his name? Um, Dante Wright. Like, yeah, I mean, she shouldn't have shot him, but she admits that. She got her, she went for a taser and made a mistake. It was a clear, honest mistake. And it was brought out by the stress of him running and fighting. And by the way, now we find out Dante Wright, there is a civil lawsuit against him. Remember, we said he had a violent past. He's another one made out to be this hero. Jennifer LeMay, the mother of Caleb Livingston, filed a lawsuit in Minneapolis against Wright's estate, whatever estate he had, alleging that Wright shot her son in the head two years ago, leaving him alive without function. Basically, he's brain dead. These are the people being celebrated by the media, the cultural elites, and often even Republicans. Then, they, there's another narrative they blame it on the gun. Oh, there's too much gun violence because there's too many guns. Well, guess what? Livingston, like all of them, was indeed a convicted felon. Bunch of drug charges and um, domestic battery, as all of them seem to have. Yet, he was able to get a gun even with a background check. So Illinois, you know, Illinois um, has a pretty strict gun laws. Did not prevent it. As always, that is always the case. Always the case. Why is there no narrative on the right to counter BLM? Do you know in Minnesota, there's now a string of deaths of little kids being killed by stray bullets. You had this case of nine-year-old Trinity Anderson Smith, again, they're all black, was killed by a stray bullet while playing on a, on a trampoline. Um... Ania Allen was murdered by a straight six-year-old girl, was murdered while eating McDonald's in the back of her car in, in some place in Minneapolis parking lot, stray bullet. And her grandfather said everybody is afraid to speak the truth about basically what's going on. A black person who was killed by a white officer, that's something different. Um, but we need a movement right here for what's going on here, black People hurting, shooting, and killing black people. People are afraid to tell the truth. And that is the dirty little secret. Officer Oberheim's wife, Amber, she said during her husband's funeral, it's time to start honoring heroes and quit victimizing felons. Very simple but eloquent statement. If we actually internalize that, we would have laws in all red states countering BLM, bolstering self-defense, bolstering the police. You could have a decriminalization agenda of BS crimes, and I'm all for that, like COVID fascism. 
but th- but that has nothing to do with getting tough on serious criminals. You know, but by the way, someone sent this to me, and I'm trying to find out where this is. We're in Indiana now. Indianapolis is just sky. The crime there is skyrocketing. And that's a red state. That is a red state with super majorities in the legislature. Do you know if you're arrested in Indianapolis um, for a crime while armed, so you're armed while committing a crime, it's an automatic $500 cash bond. You don't even have to appear before a judge to be released and no history of prior criminal convictions are reviewed. How is that not changed immediately by the Indiana legislature? Why am I the only one thinking of action items on COVID fascism, action items on crime, action items on transgenderism, action items on immigration? Republicans control super majorities, but I seem to be the only one kind of calling these shots. No one thinks about the victim. No one thinks about the victim. Do you know um, Mrs. Uh, from Atlanta Media? Atlanta is another city just in the toilet now. Where there have now been, and this is very dangerous now, shootings on interstates. So we had BLM blocking interstates, but I don't think it's only just like the mobs. I think there's just like shootings, like from cars or whatever, one car to another into oncoming cars. I mean, this this is at its core. This is like Fallujah. They have had, in the first five months of this year, at least 16 shootings on interstates around like I-285. Ten are being investigated by Atlanta police. Three are being investigated by some of the other counties like Clayton, DeKalb, Gwinnett. Um, and they're having difficulty finding people. Finding witnesses. And basically, they have no suspects. So, you know, when they always talk about us having an over-incarceration problem, I always say, occur, and we would find a suspect and convict them and sentence them and every one of them. Just the most violent crimes. I mean, shooting on an interstate is pretty violent. The numbers would swell, but we don't catch all of them. So don't tell me we fundamentally have an over-incarceration problem. One other story I want to share with you out of Massachusetts. They now are releasing 21 convicted first-degree murderers on medical parole. Basically saying they're about to die. And the idea is if a physician says that they're terminally ill and their life expectancy is less than 18 months, they get like a compassionate release. Okay, again, we're not talking about a guy serving the final years of his life for even an armed robbery. We're talking about first three murders. Their victims didn't get compassionate, you know, released to their families to live out their life. But as always, it starts out with, oh, they don't have life to live. But then somehow they keep on living. John Stone, 61, sentenced to life for a 1995 killing in Springfield, was released when he was put on a ventilator in the hospital with COVID-19 and not expected to survive. But now, according to this lawyer, he has recovered and is receiving care at a rehabilitation center. So... It doesn't look like he's being reincarcerated. That angered Maureen Regan um, Morarity, whose father John Regan was stabbed to death by Stone. It's beyond insulting to victims. This is just an outrage to everybody, to every citizen and other victims' families. We now have a country that is perfectly, whose government is perfectly immoral, whose governing pyramid is perfectly inverted. And for whom the sacrifice of our soldiers, sadly, is no longer worth it. Preamble of the Constitution promises a country that would ensure domestic tranquility and provide for the common defense. All as means to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Domestic crime, invasion, defense at our border. Our government is not only failing on both, 
but orchestrating domestic crime and the indefense of our international borders. That means that in the states that we allegedly control, we have the right to respond accordingly and evacuate ourselves from whatever ill effects flow from those illegal, unconstitutional federal maneuvers. I don't want to hear about this. Oh, could a state do this? Oh, this crime laws are all state. But we are going to start writing a 10-point plan on how states could fight back on immigration. Some of it they could do under current court rulings. Some of it the courts will screw with, but screw them. It's time we make this country worth the sacrifice of our amazing veterans and the people who came before us who gave their lives in all our wars so that we could be safe. It's, it behooves us in the comfort of our desks, our phones, our emails, to actually organize for liberty, ordered liberty, and to at least recreate new parts of this country where their sacrifice will once again be worth it. Folks, I'm going to be, again, a little bit irregular this week in terms of timing, so I might not be up on the latest news. You guys really need to consider coming out here. It is amazing, amazing being together with several hundred patriots, including listeners of this show, all at once, shooting during the day, learning the Constitution at night. Again, go to constitutioncoach.com, check it out. Um, I won't be here next week, but I will be in most of I will be here for most of the trips in the fall. It should get cooler, so I don't want to hear excuses. Um, 90% off the price. You can't beat that. Uh, yeah, you got to pay for the plane ticket or ammo and your accommodations. But look, anywhere you go on vacation, you're going to do that. So make this your vacation. If you want to be a team leader, this is a great way to meet other team leaders um, and help recruit and also learn to defend yourself in a defensive situation, whether it's from domestic criminals or illegal alien criminals, because you sure as heck cannot count on our government. Till tomorrow, thank you all for listening. Stay safe. God bless you all.